one thing I love about the Lord is this. He will always come down to satisfy the longing heart. Those who long and hunger and thirst for him. He never, never, ever disappoints them. He always meets with a hungry soul. Hallelujah. Now, we may think that um, this is the worst of times to be alive. But I tell you, for those that know the Lord and have learned to walk in the glory of his presence, this is the best time to be alive. You may be thinking, this is the worst seasons of my life. It's my worst days. My, I, you know, this is the worst time I ever lived. But for those that know his glorious presence, this is the best times. And that's the one thing with the God's glorious presence. See, it turns your worst day into your best day. Your worst seasons into your best seasons of your life. And this can be the most glorious season of your life. Depends on where you live. Depends on where is your address. But thank God that one thing that is amazing about God's glory, it relocates you. The glory of God can relocate you to a different place where you are relocated. You are Relocated into the presence of God. And for those of you who are hungry tonight, and who really need, you don't need, you really need tangible trust of God's glory to trust you to this flow of his glory. You know, there are times in life there's nothing that you do that will work. No matter what you do. They would have walked in the time past, but now, nothing works. And we are coming in a time where we have great, great frustrations. And discouragement. And tiredness. And many Christians are backsliding. Becoming lukewarm. And they are wondering, where are all those promises? They, they get tired, they get frustrated, and, they, and, they, and some just get cold and indifferent and, and just backsliding. And they wonder, where is God? <laughs> Hallelujah. Since I got saved in 1985, I have never said, where is God? I know where he is. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I know somebody in Christ who was praying for a crusade. And he went to the throne of God and hold God's finger and pulling his finger. Come on, people. We have to learn and understand the power of life eternal. The life that Christ came to bring. 
didn't come to bring us religion. He came to bring us life. And you are among humans. And you feel free among humans. Because you have a human life. So you can freely come and exercise yourself. And be among them. And talk to them. Or call them. Or communicate them. And give and take from them. Why? Because you are human. Because you have a human life. Now the eternal life. The eternal life which Christ come to give to us. That eternal life gives us access to everything eternal. Eternal environment. Eternal wisdom. Eternal knowledge. And we can give and take in the realm of eternal. You see, everything in the physical, everything you see, came out of the womb of eternal. Out of the womb of the spirit. The realm of the spirit is the real realm. This one is temporal. It is not perfect. It is doomed to destruction. It was never meant to last forever. It is seasonal. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, so, I, I was just in Cameroon saying Sometimes when people die in Africa, when they're doing the obituary, they may put a big poster in area. They said, called to glory. I don't even, do they do that here? Do they say that here? Called to glory? <laughs> Where do your dead go? <laughs> so, so they normally put their call to glory. That means somebody have died, so he has gone to glory. So in essence, glory begins when you leave the earth. That's not the truth. Jesus Christ came to earth to bring glory down here and now. And I know to some of you, I may, I may sound strange and weird and crazy. I love this crazy. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. This is my 30th year in Czech Republic. And, you know, when I come, the people were thinking it, it will last for a month. It will last for two months. That's just maybe an exuberance of, a, you know, whatever. You know, they wonder, is that real? Is that true? Can it last? And some pastors even say, oh, don't worry. Give him three months. And it will, the fire will go off. I'm there now for 30 years. And the fire is even getting stronger and stronger. Even the devil got tired of me. The devil. <laughs> even Satan, even the witches got tired of me. Stop wasting your time on that crazy thing. Leave him to himself. We don't know where he comes from. <laughs> yes. Yes. Jesus said, I am from above. You are from beneath. Come on, people. Come on, people. This is how you glorify God. You have to understand. Christ came to give you life eternal. It is not when you die. It's not when you leave your body. It is here and now. John said that you might know that you have what? That means you have access. 
you have access to eternity. In fact, the Bible says our real citizenship is from where? From above. We are real from above. You are not number one American. You are not primarily an American. You are primarily a heavenly citizen. If you live and think and talk America, America have the right to dominate you. That's why you look more American than a heavenly citizen. So America will give you what it got. Bondage. If you think American, you live American, you dream American, you every, so what are you what are you complaining about? So you are telling God, oh God, come and bless my American life. God said, mm -mm, it is condemned. I can't bless your American life. But I can bless your eternal life. That's what looks like me. That's the life I have. I gave you my life. So that you might live my life. And as you live my life here on earth, you manifest my glory. It is the glory of eternal life. John said that life was manifested. And we saw it. And we touched it. And we handled it. And now we present to you that life which was with the Father. So that you might also have fellowship with us. Our communion must be in the realm of life eternal. So that when we come together, we are coming together in the fellowship, in the communion of life eternal. If you all come here as Americans, and you go back like America, so it is Americans singing praises to God. It is black people singing praise to God. It is white people singing. Oh my God. That is Old Testament. But when we come together as living spirit community. So with me living. Spirit. Community. There is glory. There's beauty. There's glory. That's why the Bible said, Hebrew said, you, you, you come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. You are in the midst of heaven's angels. You are in the very presence of God and the blood of Jesus Christ, the mediator of the New Testament. You, you, you have come into Mount Zion. I was preaching in Slovakia years ago. I said, very soon this building will disappear. And God's glory came in. Nobody was seeing anything. We were right in the glory of his presence. And when the glory descends, sometimes you can't preach anymore. You can't sing anymore. You can't say nothing anymore. Because all you have to do is to suck it in like a sponge. Listen, God will not allow his church, his body, to remain in shame. 
under the dominion of this world. The church must be emancipated by the glory of the Father. Somebody say hallelujah. The church must be liberated. We have been, we are, we are, the church is now in captivity. We are like Israel in Egypt. We are struggling for our identity. We are trying to breed. We are being suffocated by the society and their mind and their ways and, and their flesh and, and their traditions and their culture. We are trying to serve God in a strange land. And the, the born again spirit is trying to emancipate itself from the shackles of this present world. Because Christ is coming to totally emancipate the redeemed from the Egypt of this present society. Can somebody say hallelujah? Because your inner man cries and yearns and desires and hungers to be emancipated from the tragedy of this present time. Ha 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 ha. The glory of the Father descending upon his children. And we are being thrust into the glory of God. And beauty returns. And the songs in the night returns. And your sense of thirst returns. And the soundness returns. And the memories returns. And the pain returns. And in the glory, you didn't even know when it happened. And you didn't know when the healing happened. But for a week or two, you said, ah, oh, you saw pain. What is it? What? When did it happen? How come I'm, I don't even know when I started hearing again. Oh. Could you be on the church last Sunday? <laughs> I can smell, I can taste food again. But, but nobody prayed for me. When, when did it happen? Oh, I've been living normal. I didn't even know. Why? It happened in the presence of his glory. You won't even know when. You, you can start living free and healthy and strong. And, and the, after a while, you say, oh, don't I used to have headache all the time? Well, when did headache go? Oh, come on. When did I, I, I don't know. When did I feel the headache last? <laughs> After two weeks, you remember you were healed? <laughs> because somehow you were thrust into an atmosphere of God's presence. And you don't even know when it happened. Oh, it could be last two weeks ago when we were in church. How come the breathing problem left? When did it happen? And your wife is observing you. And just quiet, she's observing you. Observing you. And after some two weeks, she said, what happened? You said what? How come you are? You said, oh, that's right. I'm, I don't even know when it happened. It's almost three weeks ago. It could have happened when I was in the church. I don't even know when it happened. You see, that's when the glory descends upon you. The glory 
put things in their right order. Without even you knowing it. Without even your mind thinking it. And you wouldn't even know what happened. And you just live normally and just be okay. And then, after some days, people say, look at you, say that. You know, I've been observing you recently. You've always done this and done that. And I said, but for, for a month now, you, you say, oh, that's right. <laughs> when did it happen? Oh, a month ago. Aha. All the pressure, all the stress. Come on. I, I, I had a lady come to our meeting some time years ago. She had always smoked. Anytime she came to the car, she lighted a cigarette. She smoked and smoked and smoked. And, and then and they came to the meeting, and then they, she had smoked for 23 years. Anytime she goes into the car, that's the first thing she does. Just. And, and then she, after the meeting, she just came and got into the car and started driving. Her son was with her, a little, maybe a son of about 11 or so. And, and, and the boy was, you know, watching mom. And she, she just could, you know, drive the car and going home. And, uh, and they're going, going, and going. And, and the boy looking at mom. The boy looking at mom. You know, she just keep quiet. Just looking at mom. She's looking at mom. And they've gone. She said, mom, you have broken tradition. All my life when you drive me in the car, you light up cigarette first. Oh, that's right. I even forgot to light up. Oh, he was in that meeting. I have no more desire to smoke. I don't even know when it happened. In the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord. There is one. One of the problems we have today with the present day church, like Pastor Mitch was saying, is this. We don't know how to be quiet. We are a very noisy generation. Noisy church. We want to keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. Because if you're quiet, people sleep. So we have to do everything we can to keep them awake. <laughs> now, we have to understand how the glory of the Lord works. A lady was, I was in Florida and I was asking her, she wants a baby. But she has two little dogs and she babies the dogs. And I said to her, would you be willing to let go of the dogs? No, no, no. I love them so much. Now, don't let the dog take the place of your child. What if God tells you, get rid of the dogs, you can get a child? Sometimes you have to exchange something to get something. When something is blocking the glory of God, until you are willing to let go of that thing, you cannot get what you really want. As long as there's an idol in your life, something that you, you don't want any, not even God to touch it, no. you limit what you can get from God. Yes. Okay. When you want to walk from glory 
to glory, from glory to glory. You don't hold anything tightly. You basically, not even your own life, not even your own self, not even your own church or ministry. You see, the present day church is built around the, the glory we used to know. It's a past glory. They don't want to go from glory to glory. So they settle down and build and build the three tabernacles. And then they begin to structure and organize and, and fit in. And so they want, they want the world to come in and, and see, oh, what we have accomplished. And much of what we have, even in churches today, is built around human ego. It's built not by glory, but by the power of American dollar. God builds his church on the power of his glory. When glory builds something, glory keeps it. You can build your marriage on the power of seduction. You can get a man by seduction. So you have to keep him by seduction. The day you are no more attractive, he leaves. Because you cannot begin something in the flesh and God continue with it. For God to step in, he has to dismantle and destroy everything that was not built in his glory and for his glory. So many times, God is trying to release his glory into your life, but he's trying to get your attention that there's an idol here that must be destroyed. And if you hold on to that idol so strongly, God lets you go with it. Because God can never share his glory with any idol or with any devils. And we are in a season and time where much of society and the world is built on a human ego and pride and arrogance. So, and, the, and, and everything is sinking and shaking and people are trying, how do we keep our pride? How do we maintain what we have built? We don't want it to be destroyed. So, and they want to do anything to keep it. When God has marked it, destroy this. No, they want to keep it. They want to protect it. Because their pride and their ego and their ambition is tied to that very thing. Even churches, even ministries. It's beautiful. And so now, now they want to do anything and everything because they say it will be a shame. It will be a big shame if we lose this. What will people think? What would they say? Oh, we have to try anything to keep. They want to keep. How do we keep this? Because our our glory, this is our glory. This is, oh, we, if we let this go, oh, no. And they are willing to kill, steal, cheat, but, you know, backslide. And they are willing to hate. Because we are in a season of collapsing glory. Sinking society. Sinking world. Every structure, everything that was not built based upon God's glory and for God's glory is going down. Nations and cities and economies, governments. They, now, and man, man is trying everything to keep it. They kill, they turn us. They, we have to keep feeding this beast. And God says, 
This beast must die. The personality, the image, the structure, the foundation, the toil, the labor. That's why when you see the hurricane comes and the tornado. And in a little while, the glory of man disappears before his own eyes. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It's scary. When he says, you are going down. I'm going down. I'm sinking. I'm losing everything. I'm being naked. I'm being naked. I see myself going down. Somebody keep me afloat. Who will save me from shame? Oh God, oh God, don't let this go down. God said, it must go down. I cannot defend it. I cannot protect it. It was not built upon the foundation of revelation. Jesus said, upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Upon this rock, I will build. And nothing hell a man can do can destroy it. When we build upon the foundation of his glory, and for his glory, you can go to bed. Because no matter what happens, you have no shame. It was not built for your glory or for your pride. If, if it goes down, that's God's business. It's not my business. It's not my glory. Jesus, you are my glory. This is what I'm doing, what I'm everything. It's not for my glory. I am not walking or serving to be seen. I am not seeking my own praise. I have no other ambition but to see you, Lord, glorified. So I have no shame. <laughs> and I have nothing to lose. Jesus said, I seek not my own glory, but the glory of him that sent me. Say with me, I seek not, I seek not. my own glory, but the glory of him that sent me. If that's how you live, you will still be here when everybody is gone down. When everybody goes down, when everybody is drowned in this flood of shame, you will still be standing. Why? Because you don't live for your own glory. To you, your glory is Jesus Christ. He is your passion. He is your dream. He is the reason for your living. That's the one you model. That's the one you advertise. That's the one you praise. That's the one you worship. You want to do everything and anything by his grace for his own glory. And when you live that way, you have no shame. 
And Jesus Christ must defend his own glory. He will let many fall. He will let many go down. But he will never let you go down because you are not seeking your own glory. They will say, how do you make it? How do you keep going? How do you survive? What buttons are you pressing? What is your secret? How come you still seem to be okay? How? What, what, you know, who is doing? Who, oh, it's not me. Christ is doing his thing. Somebody say hallelujah. Christ is doing his thing. I'm not on the driver's seat. He is doing his thing. And, and, and because you live for his glory. And so he defends his glory. Christ in the hope of glory. He is at work in you to help you will and to do. So you can say, no more I believe. <laughs> but Christ lives in me. Him who has conquered the world comes and dwells in you in the fullness of his glory so that in you and through you he will conquer the world. You become the throne where he sits conquering the world. Subduing hell and death. Christ the king. Jesus the risen savior. The eternal messiah and throne. In you. And being glorified in you and through you. Hallelujah. We can dream in glory. We have the same life that God has. So we have access through the blood of Christ into his presence. And you can interact. You can understand the language of the glory of God. You can understand God's language because you have the life he has. Jesus said that the glory you gave to me, I have given them. That they might be one as we are one. You are in me, I am in you. And they will, I will be in them and they will be in me. Why? Because we have the same life. We can interact our shame is gone. He has taken our shame. He has taken our humiliation. All the shame he suffered was yours and mine. And if we don't walk in his glory, he suffered in vain. You have to stop just believing in Jesus. And start living in Jesus. And Christ living in you. All these struggles will be over in one minute. Oh, oh, I'm down again. Oh, I'm up again. Oh, come on. That's not the walking glory. Oh, I, I almost blow it today. I'm, come on, people. What are you thinking? That's not the life. Oh, come on, come on. 
Can somebody say hallelujah? You are chosen. You are called. You are ordained. And you are glorified. <laughs> you are glorified. You have to rise up and take your place. You have to know and understand. You don't have to do nothing. I didn't come here to tell you, oh, try to do something. Oh, try to change. Don't try to change. Don't try to do nothing. Just know. Just understand. <laughs> Just know. Just understand. You are chosen. You are called. The glory of God is up on you. You are a child of the almighty God. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. In him you live. In him you move. In him you have your being. Christ in you. The hope of all you lost restored back to you within eight days. And the phones keep ringing. And you, you are so completely overwhelmed. That you are drunk. And he said, What is happening? And the same glory that restores everything to you, the same glory will cut off many people out of your life. Because they cannot afford to see you live a life of victory. They have only known you as a person of defeat and shame. When they see the glory of God in your life, they would not want to be your friend anymore. Because they don't know how to see you walk in glory. They don't know how to identify with you in glory. They can they fit in with you well and they fit in among them well because we all the same, you know, we all know. But now they see you a totally different person. And they cannot afford. They don't know how to fit in with you anymore. And they will just go away. That's what the glory does. When it comes, it attracts and it expels. People who can't afford to see you walk in glory, they will just leave you alone. Because they're not ready for that. Some will be drawn when they see that. They say, wow. Others will say, oh. You are different. How come you're not enjoying our jokes? How come you're not cursing like us and lying like us and hating like us? How come you accept everybody? You are no more, you know, critical. And, you know, how come you are just kind of? We can't afford to have you like that. You are. We are. You are here with us. You are no more a part of us. Years ago, I was in the spirit. I think I've said that here several times. And I was sitting in the, in the cloud. And I lying down and I was looking down. 
And I saw a woman doing like that. Eh? Just with terrible hatred towards me. And he was screaming. He was, eh? do your hand like that. I don't understand what she's saying. Then a, a lady stood by her and started telling me what she's saying. I wish I can get you. I wish I can get you. I will kill you. I will destroy you. But I can't get you. I can't get you. You are up there. You are. I can't get you. I wish I can get you. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. The world wants you to come down, come down and rub in the mud. With us. Come talk the filth. Think the filth. Act. Come down and, and let's roll in the pig star. Don't stay there. Come and, and that's the battle. Because before you know it, you've lost your own steadfastness. Come and hate like we hate. Come and do what we do. Talk our language. Behave like we behave. Let's join us in our arrogance and pride and flesh. Come on. Play our own kind of music and, and watch our own kind of movie. And, and let's go. Go where we go. Come down and be American. Come and roll in the mud. Light up the cigarette. Let's smoke together. Get the crack. Let's take the crack cocaine. Watch the pornography. Let's watch what we watch. Drink what we drink. Eat what we eat. Talk like we talk. The language of shame. You have to learn to say goodbye shame. And sometimes when you walk in the realm of God's glory, you don't have so many friends. You don't have so many friends. And some just, and without them, without you knowing, they just can't stand you. But the amazing thing about the glory of God, you you don't struggle for nothing. <laughs> you don't struggle for nothing. The glory you carry prepares your way. Prepares the people you meet on Monday. Prepares the office. Prepares so people say, oh, it took me two hours to get that done. How come you really get it done? Oh, everybody was nice to me. Hmm. But they were not nice to me. The glory you carry prepares the way. What other people see frustration and rejection, you see acceptance. Because with the glory, you have a totally, completely different attitude. The presence of God prepares the way for you. 
and distress and nervousness and helplessness and toil and toil and toil. In the glory of God, there's no toiling. Kamalos. There's no toiling. You don't toil in glory. That's why the Lord had to take Peter and James and John to the Mount of Glory. In the Mount of Glory, they saw his glory. And they saw Moses. And they saw Elijah. And the glory cloud covered them. Not glory cloud. They were able to hear the voice of the Father very clearly and plainly and simply. They didn't have to fast for 40 days and bind the devil. No, in the glory there's no devil there. The devil can't approach it. Years ago in 2007, I was in Atlanta. And uh, I, I just finished in Caribbeans and preaching everywhere. I was lying in my hotel room in Atlanta. And I, I said, Lord, I'm about going back to check. And I have no money. You know, before that financial crisis. You know, so I thought the preaching, traveling with all the expense of hotels and flying and car rentals and everything. I said, Lord, you know, I, I don't have any offering. I'm going home. My family are waiting for me. So how do I, what do you, what do you think? And I'm lying down and say, Lord, you look at the ceiling. Lord, you're going to do something now. I will, Lord, you have to do something. Did you hear me? Lord, I, did you hear me say, I said, I have no money. You have to do something. As I'm lying down in the hotel room in Atlanta, just like, you know, like most of you, you know what I'm talking about, you know, just looking at the ceiling as if the money will fall from the skies. And Suddenly, the ceiling disappeared, and I saw the Lord Jesus. And he started speaking to me. And as he was talking to me, Satan appeared. Lucifer appeared. And he came in and blocked me from hearing what the Lord was saying. Poor fellow. I already got my message. <laughs> and I have already heard the Lord say to me, I have blessed you. Say with me, I have, I have blessed, you. blessed you. Do you know Jesus is beautiful? He is so beautiful. He is so glorious. The king of the angels. He, mar he marvels me at the Simplicity and beauty of Christ. <laughs> I got a friend. I got a friend. You got a friend. That little devil just come to block me from hearing what the Lord was saying. But he came late. <laughs> I already got the message. Do you know you are loved? 
You are more precious to God than the stars. You can see the beauty and the glory of God displayed in creation. He wants to display more glory in you than the glory in the heavens. When the glory of God moves in, man caves in. <laughs> Your ideas caves in. Your strength caves in. And the glory of the Lord carries you like a little baby. <laughs> and in one moment, in his glorious presence and power, shame disappears. Shame. Everything the devil tried to throw on you is gone. The scars of life is gone. The shame from your parents, the shame of your sin disappears in the glory of his presence. Hey, 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 hey! And the glory of God redefines your personality. He chooses you so that in you and through you, he might be glorified. You are going to become the epistle of Christ written with the ink of the Holy Spirit. So the world will see it and they will read it. <laughs> yes, I was walking in New York. You know, there was, I was going to eat Chinese restaurant somewhere. And I was trying to cross over, but too much traffic. So I said, let me, let me go around over there. Through that other way. So as I turned and I was just walking, a man saw me. He said, oh my God. You have such a glory of God. Who are you? In the streets of New York. And I started talking with him. He said, I am an apostle from India. He said, you remember the tsunami that happened in 2004? He said, we... All the coastal churches in the area we lived. That morning by 7 a.m., we had a camp meeting. So all of us in that area, all the churches loaded up and moved out to the camp meeting in a different area. When the tsunami hit, not one born-again Christian died. He said, I'm an apostle and I have many churches. And he said, because no Christian, all of them, so the, the Hindu people, these unbelieving people say, ah, oh, that means the Christian God knew what was about to happen and he took his people away. That must be the true God. And they began to pick their idols and throw them away. They were throwing them away. They were born in the eye. They said, that means our God didn't know what it was. The Christian God knew. How come none of them died? They left. When I used to be a businessman in Cameroon, I told all my business partners, those people who are in the same area, I said, when I'm going to leave this area, there'll be something that will happen and all of you will know that a prophet had been among you. 
Today I will leave this place. They say, oh, preaching man, you're not a preacher, you're not a businessman, you're not a preacher. Get out of here. Nothing going to happen. That very day, as I left the city about 6 in the morning, within 6.15, the entire area burnt down. Many business people lost millions. I lost not a penny. You see, the glory keeps you ahead of the evil. <laughs> it's a glory walk. Somebody say hallelujah. Walk in glory. Walk in glory. Hallelujah. Walk in glory. I had people tell me, my sister called me and said, my sister told me, how come all the evil that happens, happens when you leave? Glory walk. You are not a mistake. You are not your own. You are not your own. You are not a mistake. Everything about you has already been planned and preordained by the Almighty God. You are not a mistake. You are not just, you know, trying to exist, trying to survive. The moment you are born again and begin to learn to walk in glory, you don't survive. Survival is for the hidden. You leave. Because he leaves. Christ said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you dwell in me and I dwell in you. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father. So if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will live because of me. I will be your life. All you have to do is say, welcome. I welcome your glory. The glory will transform your way of thinking. Your way of seeing. Before anything that can change, whatever can change your life must, change, must affect your mind. You don't get, nobody knows you are drunk until you begin to make you shake, your head begin to shake. The same way, the glory of God has to transform your way of thinking. You can't think like Americans think. You can't think like the black people think or like the white think. You have to think in glory. You have to have the mind of Christ. Don't marry as they marry. What they call glory is not glory. It's shame. You can't live in their way. You are chosen, you are called, be different, be separated, and the glory of Christ will shine upon you. Somebody say hallelujah. And there's no more time. There's no more time. The glory of this world is sinking. It's perishing. Now is the hour when God's own children will walk in the glory of his presence and power every day. Somebody say hallelujah. Now, I tell people, what if you know within 24 hours you'll be gone from this earth? If you are given 24 more hours to live, how would you live? You know, Elijah, Elijah knew he was, was about to leave, Elijah, the prophet. And he, he knew he was going to go and Elijah was following him and he said, hey, boy, um, can you stay here? I'm going over there. He said, no, sir, I, I want to go with you. 
They came again to the city. He said, oh, can you stay here in Gilgal? I just want to go over there to Jordan. He said, no, sir, I, I want to follow you. And uh, they came to Jordan. He picked his mantle and struck the water. And the water parted. And they followed him. Across the water. He said, okay, now, what do you want? I can't shake you off. I can't get rid of you. I have told you to stay over there. Stay here. You, you keep following me. What exactly do you want? What are you following me for? What is your ultimate desire and dream and passion? Yes, you've served. Yes, you've walked. Yes, you've helped. I, I know you've served me. Now, and I can't shake you off. So, please, what do you want? The same way. God will ask you, in your heart of hearts, what do you want? I see the price you pay. I see your sacrifice. I see your service. I see everything. Please tell me, what do you want? And Elisha did not say, oh, give me some time to think about it. He didn't say, oh, uh, wait, let me go ask my mom, you know. Let me, let me see what my mom will advise me on. You know, like Herodias. Oh, let me go ask my mom. Hey, mom, uh, what should I ask? God is asking me, what do you really want? Mom, what should I ask? No, 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 no. He didn't, have to, he didn't consult with anybody. He didn't even say, oh, mom, I think. Um, no, no, no. He, he said, I want a double portion of the anointing. He didn't say, oh, you know, many of us will say, oh, I have hundred things. I have up to hundred things I need to ask God. So, which one should I present first? There has to be a dominant thing, a dominant desire in your heart. Where, if you are to say just one thing, it comes out of your mouth. It comes out of your heart. I need a double portion of your spirit. Oh, so that's the purpose of why you sing, why you pray, why you fast, why you do everything you do. So this is really, really the driving desire of your service. Yes, Lord. I want a double portion of your spirit. I want to accomplish twice what you accomplish. In the same wisdom, in the same compassion, in the same holiness, in the same joy, in the same power, in the same spirit. I want a double portion of the anointing. He didn't ask for the world, for fields and properties and uh, power in government. 
today. And that was a man in the Old Testament. Today, what does God hear when we cry? What does God hear when we pray? What are we dying for? What are we screaming for? What are we, what is, oh, he said, I need a double portion. Because when the double portion comes on you, the glory meets every need. <laughs> Somebody say hallelujah. It doesn't say, oh, I need healing, I need deliverance. No, no, no. When the glory comes, it's, it meets every need. Seek first the kingdom of God and the power of the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. You know, so that we can say more of you, but that's not really what God is hearing. You see, what God hears doesn't come out of your mouth. In heaven, you don't talk from your mouth. You speak from the heart. It's a heart-to-heart communication. And so, what God hears, because man looks in the outside, God looks in the inside. What is the cry of your heart? I want to see Jesus Christ glorified. And this church, you better rise up now in the glory of God and take the city. Because the glory is not coming for your picnic. The glory is coming to thrust you out. So that you would cast the nets of salvation over this area and bring in more souls. The glory makes it more easier to bring in the harvest. What takes you months before to convince a sinner will take you two minutes in the glory. Two minutes. I remember many years ago when I was in, in Africa, there was a guy that used to mock me because I was always preaching and praying and reading the Bible. He, he mocks me. Oh, preacher, oh, Christian, every time you talk him, God, God, God. And one day he was over there playing some board game with some folks. And I was inside the, know, my office there. And he looked, I know you must be reading the Bible, you crazy born again person. And I could no more take that nonsense. I said to him, hey, come here. And he just left the board game and walked to where I was. I said, kneel down now. He kneels down. I said, pray this prayer after me now. He prayed up. He gave his life to Christ. I said, from today, I lock you up in the kingdom of God. You will never go again. That's how he was totally saved and transformed. Till today. And he's now a preacher. The glory comes on you and gives you power and audacity to confront hell. To confront the anti-God, anti-church infrastructure in the world. We must tear this beast down. The hell is evading. Hell is taking over society. We must bring that hell down to the pit of hell. We can't allow Satan and his agent to succeed. They cannot cast their spell over us. The more you and I carry that glory... 
you have what I call the glory instinct. There's something instinctively in your inner man that, that can't take any nonsense. You can't take that evil thought. You can't take that negative thinking. You, you have a positive attitude. There's something inside of you that always gives you that urge that God will help me. Somebody say hallelujah. There's a glory instinct. You don't take shame because Christ bore your shame. Say with me, Christ, Christ. bore my shame, my shame that I my wear his glory like a garment. Hallelujah. That's why Paul said, as always, so also now, I am fully convinced and persuaded that in nothing I will be ashamed. In nothing. I will, in nothing I will be ashamed. But as always, as even now, Christ must be magnified in my life, in my body, whether by life, or by death. As always, Christ must be magnified. You are being transformed from the inside by the glory of his presence. And the breath of God is entering into you. And pressure and stress and anxiety, and fear, and everything devil has been sowing for a long time is now just melting away. And your breath becomes like the breath of a little child, and calmness, and quietness, and assurance, and dignity returns back into your life, and clarity returns back to your mind, and your understanding, and reasoning, and discernment becomes more sound and more clear in the presence of the glory of the Lord. Believing becomes easy. Trusting becomes easy. You, you pray and you know, you don't pray it twice, you know, Daddy heard me at the first. Years ago, I was in Mississippi in the pastor's meeting, and the pastor asked me, how quickly do you get into God's glorious presence? I say, it depends on how far you live from it. <laughs> I said, well, if you, are, if, you want to come from a, if you want to come to America from Afghanistan, you know, it's a long journey. It takes a lot of, if the Taliban to spare you. you know, so it takes a long journey to get there. I said, but if, if this is God's glory and presence and you, you are here, you just take your step. But if you are living Somewhere in Antarctic, you have to defrost your brain first, de-ice your mind. <laughs> and, and before you, you take a long time. You and I must learn in these last days not to live far away from the presence of God. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. You can live in God's glorious presence that you never pray an hour at a time or two hours or ten hours if the Holy Ghost, but, but if you live in, in his presence you, you, so you may not even need them for an hour 
Because there's, there's no hour I did not pray. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So, so you don't just, oh, I'm having a breakthrough. I'm not praying to force my way into it. You know? No, no, no. If you're already living it, uh, good morning, Lord. And what is it? Hallelujah. And the glory of Christ blesses you. And fear is gone. And shame is nowhere to be found. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But remember, the glory of God upon you is for influence. Tell me the glory is for influence. God wants the world to be influenced by his glory. To be drawn by his glory. Somebody say hallelujah. You see, the battle between the glory is now raging. You remember that what got us into all this mess was Lucifer wanted glory of God. Everything you see on earth is a battle for glory. Look at the war in Ukraine. It's a battle between shame and glory. How can Russia pull away? What will happen if we stop fighting? So even though we're going to die, let's die because if we stop, it looks shameful. Even in our own personal lives. We want to win. We, we don't want to be seen like a loser. If I stop now, it looks like I, it will be shameful. So let's push in it. Even though your heart may say, just end this nonsense. Why don't you turn around and just love your wife again? Well, she will think she won. He will think he won. I'm going to keep pushing this thing. So, and, you, and you know you are going nowhere with this nonsense. But you think I will look like a loser. You want to keep pushing. You want to keep fighting. And you know you are going nowhere with this. Because you don't want to be like a loser. In Christ, there are no losers. In Christ, we always win. In Christ, because we already won. We already won. We already have the victory. Can somebody say hallelujah? And tonight, I want to pray for you. Pastor Mitch, God has been doing amazing thing in my life. I was talking to Bishop Randy. He said 30 years is, means manhood. When you come to 30 years in ministry, you're coming to the manhood in ministry. And you know, you come to a season in time where you don't struggle much anymore. You begin to enter into the rest of God's glorious presence. And the Lord wants to bring many of you here into rest. The Christian life was never meant to be always struggle. It is, a, it is it, it, God brings you to a season of rest and quietness. He's not always going to be chasing devil here and chasing devil here, chasing here and there. No, no, no. There are seasons where the glory of God begins to affect and transform everything you are and everything you do. Can somebody say hallelujah? 
And we know that we have no shame. We have no losing thing. Because the Bible says here that the, the, the sufferings of this present time cannot. Say with me, the sufferings, the pressure of this present time cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You see, every time you go through some pressure, it's meant to thrust you to the new higher level of glory. When you are seeking for his glory, when all you have in your heart is for him to be glorified, whatever you go through, whatever pain and pressure you go through, only pushes you to the, a higher level of glory. It pains me when Christians suffer and suffer and suffer and go through so many things and they don't have any glory to show for it. But when, when we really go through sufferings, if you were really seeking for God's glory, it is meant to bring more, there is more of his glory in your life. Every year I'm going through this again. Every year, every 10 years. And, and, and where is the glory? Christ never wants you and I just to suffer for suffering's sake. Every time you go through something, if you are really in the part of his plan and purpose, it will bring more glory into your life. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah. That's why Peter said, when you go through the sufferings, then you know that the spirit of glory rests on you. Say with me, spirit of glory rests on me. You see, the glory of God comes in to create to bring in the fear of God. Fear of God. And it brings that consciousness of God's presence. And, and it also it comes to put things in the right order. Because where there's no glory, there's disorder. Glory comes and brings things in order. Not just in the outside, but first of all, in the inside. You see, religion is trying to put order where there's no glory. You can go to some churches. Everything's there, well-ordered. Neat, nice, everything's in time, everything's all that, very well. But it is not a glory order. Look at American society. Look at governments of the world. They are trying to put some order. They want order. But it's not, that's not order that's ordered in glory. It's not ordained for God's glory. But when God's glory comes... It shifts things, it moves things, it cuts this off, it cuts that off, and it puts an order where God's greater glory is being made manifest. Can somebody say hallelujah? That is why a church or a ministry must allow the Holy Ghost to order them, like pastor is doing now, one service on Sunday. It is ordered in glory. Then you will see the glory begin to be manifest. But if it's just thinking and plotting, oh, they do that that way, they do it this way, let's do it this way also. Oh, they do it can be an order, but it's not ordered by glory. But when it is done out of an unfolding glory, everything takes its place. The hand, the leg, the eye, the ear, everything takes its place. And it becomes what? Very glorious. Somebody say Hallelujah. So as God's glory descends upon you more and more, it begins to put order in your life. From the inside out, your timings, your movements, the glory of God books you the appointments for the day. Your timing, your eating, your drinking, everything is ordered 
in God and by God. And the ordering begins from the inside. Somebody's hallelujah. As, as you spend time in his presence, by the glory of his presence, everything inside of you and outside is being ordered. And then all you have to do and walk in it. And the entire day comes and goes and you felt so fresh, so strong, so refreshed. You were able to accomplish everything with less pressure. How can this be? Glory ordered everything. Somebody say hallelujah. It's not by just much thinking and planning and canceling this and doing that. I remember years ago I was in Cameroon for a conference. And, 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 and the money I had couldn't fit. So I got a piece of paper, put the pen, I write this, I write that, I write that. I check the money, it couldn't work. Okay, let's cancel this, let's cancel this, let's cancel. Oh, I did this thing to work. And I tried everything I can to see how the money can really fit up. And no matter how I thought and planned, it never matched up. So I took the money, put it on the table, lay my hands on it, and said, Holy Ghost, handle this. God is my witness. I don't know how everything worked well till today. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I just, all I, I, because I plan, I think, cut this off, remove this, take this off, stop. No, I, it doesn't. Have you ever been there in your life? Where no matter how you think and plan, how you call Dr. Perfect and ask for advice and nothing fits in. You are always in the deficit. No matter how you soak it. First thing, cut off the tithe. Second thing, never give a penny to missionaries. Third thing, stop going to church because it's going to cost you your, your gasoline. Yes, yeah, some people think like that. Christians think like that. The first thing they cut off is tithe and offering. And then stop, only go once in a month. And the devil is getting them to a corner to ruin them. And instead of following me on this, Lord God, I don't know how to plan these things, to make it work. So I totally surrender my heart, my mind, my life, my penny, my money, my time, my day to you. Let your glory come down in and upon me. And Lord, help me handle these. I don't know how to handle it. Nothing works. I have planned it. I have taught it. I have tried everything I know how. I have canceled this. I tried to, but it doesn't work. Can you come, oh Lord, in your glory and help me know how to handle this? In the glory, you can serve. You can serve and not die. You can accomplish so much and still leave tonight. My intention was to get you hungry and a desire and an appetite for the glory of God to descend upon you. Christ bore your shame, your humiliation, your disorder, your chaos. In fact, shame means chaos, disorder, humiliation, insult, reproach. Errors and mistakes. Jesus bore them all. You may be trying to put order in your life. It is not possible. You can try and study and learn and search online how to do this, how to brush my teeth, how to beat my wife. How, you, you can plan and, and how to handle your money, how to manage my money. 
and how to do and and nothing works the intention of god was that his glory will completely and absolutely define your life and manage everything for you hallelujah and give you the wisdom Praise the Lord. I'm going to stop. I'm going to pray with you tonight. Praise the Lord. And so we are in a crisis hour. There's the battle for glory. That's the only battle on earth. It began in heaven. It began with Satan. He said, I will be like the most high. All the battles is the battle for glory. Even with your neighbor. Who is more? Who is better? Who is to be respected the more? Who need the thumb up? Who need the thumb down? People want to show you. They want to give you, show you that you are low. I am up. That's, that's, the, that's the world we live in. Everything we are doing is to battle shame. People are trying to buy something they can't pay for. Just to look a little bit respect. That's all. They, because they, they just want to, you know, show that, you know, come on. Who do you think you are? Look at me. And, you know, and, and that's all shame. Every day is a battle for shame and glory. How do you dare tell me to clean the kitchen? How do you dare tell me to take away the trash? Who are you talking to? Do you know who you're talking to? I have 10 PhDs. <laughs> I bought this house. I, I pay for the car. I Clap for me. Shame and glory. When Christ is your glory. You find glory in serving. You find glory in going down. Christ has all glory and he came down. When people are, I want to be up there. No, 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 no. Because you know you lack nothing. You are not seeking for self-exaltation. You're not trying to subdue people. And crush them. And sit on them to show them how you are more superior. If you are more superior, you ought to have a superior love. A superior understanding. A superior wisdom. A superior counsel. A superior attitude. You, that's what is more superior. Your, it's not your car or your property or the color of your skin. It is the superiority of a life that is more beautiful and more wonderful. A lot, a lot is more hugging and more encouraging that can go down and, and, and lift somebody up. That's how you manifest the glory of the new life. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. If you walk in glory, you're not trying to look for somebody to put down. If you are trying to put somebody down, that means you are down. When you walk in glory, all you do is to lift somebody up. Okay, somebody say hallelujah. You. Your life doesn't intimidate anybody. Your personality, your ways doesn't crush. You instead lift up. You, you, cause, you brighten somebody's life. 
you brighten, you give hope. That's Christ. That's Christ in you. You, you, you energize, you cheer, you cheer somebody up. Somebody say hallelujah. When you carry his glory, you don't crush, you don't despise, you don't insult, you don't abuse. The glory of God upon you lifts up. Because Christ came, took our shame, so he can lift us up to glory. Can somebody say hallelujah? Every day I want to ask you, ask yourself, whom have I lifted up today? Whom have I encouraged? Whom have I comforted? Whom have I reached out to? Whom have I manifested the glory of God that is in my life? Oh. I, I remember I, I drive the kids to school, you know, my neighbor's kids and mine. And they say, hey, pastor, you don't bang the f- then this on anybody, even when they try to do something, you just don't, you know, get angry and blow the horn on them. I didn't know they were observing me. I said, oh, that'll that make them feel bad. The glory of God makes you cover somebody's nakedness. You don't, you don't share the shame of somebody. Christ came and covered our nakedness. You don't see your wife's mistake and tell everybody about it. Amen. If you do, you are living in shame. In fact, you are more shameful than what the person has done. You don't put nobody to shame. You speak the truth in love. Your desire is to lift up, not to cast down. Amen. And my wife may be watching her. Sometimes she still watch me by 1 a.m. Hey, Lady Margaret, I love you. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's how it ought to be. Don't allow somebody by your side crying in secret because of your abusive words. And somebody's dying in your house because you won't, you disdain them. He just talked to you, they are nothing. And you disdain them. And you use words to kill them, to intimidate them. You are, you are, that's not the work of glory. It's a work of shame. It shows that inside of your own heart, there's a shame, there's a struggle. And the glory of Christ will come and change you. So you can be a meek person, a meek man, a meek husband. Because you're not afraid of life. Christ is your glory. You have no shame. Folks, I'm going to try to stop. You guys make me keep talking. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's beautiful. It's glorious. Hallelujah. The toothache is gone while I was talking. The neck ache is gone. The pains are left your body already. The beauty of Christ has come. And the Lord is opening to you a door of providence. So you will not again be put to shame. You will not again struggle to pay your bills. That shame is behind you. The devil is a liar. The glory of God rebuke him. And the appointment for a better job comes in two weeks.
And this time they will ask you, how much do you want? You will not be begging for a raise. Listen, the plan of God that you and I will carry the glory of God into the government houses, into the jobs, into businesses, that people will begin to hand over things to you. Because they see that there's nobody here like this guy. If we want this firm to survive, we have to let him handle it. We are in the season of Joseph. The season of, of, of crisis and the season of abundance. You see, we are in the Joseph time. And, and people are looking for somebody that is such, have the spirit of God in them, that they can trust some precious, delicate things to handle. Even Pharaoh will say, listen, I, 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 I would just sit here as a figurehead, but you are the real king of Israel, of Egypt. They will, they, will, they will call you and give you a job and give you, because they know that you, you, you have something in you. You have the Joseph anointing. They said, Pharaoh said, can we find anybody like this guy with the spirit of God on him? Anybody? It's not, it is not going to be anymore by, by great qualification and degree. Joseph did not go to the University of Accountancy or Economic Management. It was by the touch of the Holy Spirit that he was handed over the whole of Egypt. And they didn't say, well, he's an Israelite. He's a Hebrew. They say, the issue of Hebrew was not there. This Forget about Hebrew. Forget about Egypt. This guy has the spirit of the living God in him. If we don't let him handle this, we are all dead. Somebody say hallelujah. It is the hour and time when the church carries God's glory to the government houses, to offices, to the banks, to businesses, where they will seek you out. They say, there is nobody here with such a spirit of God on them that we can trust with this delicate time business money. We need somebody like this. They will talk in secret. This guy, this, can you see? There's such a thing about we listen. I, I better, I'm the CEO, but I'm going to let him run everything because whatever he touches, God blesses. From today, I pray for you that the anointing of God's glory comes strong upon you, and you carry it everywhere you go. That God, people will see God's glory upon your life, and they will. Call you for higher positions. And they will hand you. And I see somebody here right now being handed great keys. Very powerful keys. You are going to be given great access. And great keys. Because of the touch of the Holy Ghost upon your life. This is the Joseph hour. The world is in crisis. The famine is here. And the world is looking for a Joseph who can manage what they have by the spirit of the living God. They wouldn't care where you come from anymore or the color of your skin. They would just want a touch of the glory of God. And, and, and they will hand you keys. And they will say, please, you take over this thing. Carry you. I pray for that anointing upon you in the name of Jesus. And the glory of the living Father fall upon you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Favor. Favor. From on high. Favor. In the name of Jesus Christ. What I'm telling you, I know. I have seen it happen. What I'm telling you that I have told that to somebody. And he doesn't believe me. I said, but it's going to hit you anyway. And he hit him. And nothing could stop that. They will call you and hand you the keys. And bring you to a place of honor. Because of the touch of the spirit of God upon your life. Can somebody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. 